Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Kelly, welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast Sunny Side Up. We're happy to have you here. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Great. Let's begin with you telling the audience about yourself and of course about your current role at Hinge Marketing. Sure. I'll come to this call today with about 15, 16 years of uh, hands-on B2B and and digital marketing experience. And my role at Hinge Marketing is really the head of digital strategy, which kind of means that I um, guide our clients through the various complex interplays that happen around technology, processes, research and data, programs, you know, creative and analytics. So I'd say my background is a little bit different than uh, perhaps some of the people you talk to as I've uh, spent uh, a fair amount of those years working in corporate marketing. I've also been a marketing consultant for many years. I've also been on uh, the creative agency side, and I've also been on the vendor side. So I like to believe that when I come to the table and and talk to a prospect or client that um, I'm really providing them with kind of an independent 360-degree view of branding, demand generation, you know, things like that. So my previous background was pretty deep into account marketing. I've been recognized by Analytica as a top 50 MarTech global influencer. And I'm probably one of only a handful of people out there who's won both the award with uh, Eloqua and Marketo for uh, marketing automation. That's amazing. So I think you will have some pretty interesting insights for all of our audiences here today. So what's a typical day at work like for you? (laughs) That's a good question. Just to give you a little bit about Hinge, Hinge is probably one of the the world's leading research-based branding and and marketing firms that specializes in, in helping professional services firms. I found that it was a little bit unique from other organizations that I've worked for because it has uh, three core areas, consulting, there's a a research institute, and then there's an online Hinge University. So, you know, as you can imagine, on any given day, I could be uh, advising a prospective or existing client on marketing technology, social media, demand generation, account-based marketing, or some aspect of digital marketing, or probably at some point I'm doing some writing or recording of some sort of thought leadership, or you know I'm jumping in and I'm looking at some of our most recent research and trying to get some insights out of that, or I'm running around trying to edit some new content that we're putting up at Hinge University. So I tend to do mm-hmm. a lot of different things and cover the gamut there. So what are the trends that you're currently seeing in this space, in this MarTech space and B2B marketing and sales especially? And what trends are uh, becoming more popular with your current customer base at Hinge Marketing? That's a good question. I would say probably one of the things that I see in the the B2B marketing space is really more of a focus on branding. So I would say uh, a few Mm -hmm. years ago, the B2B pendulum was swinging from branding over to lead and demand generation. And uh, now I'm kind of seeing it swing back a little bit more towards branding. As you probably know, there's a lot more competition out there in in the B2B space, not only for clients, but employees. There's quite a skills gap out there in, in digital marketing. So B2B organizations 
I think, are realizing that they've got to invest uh, more time and money to really differentiate themselves and make themselves attractive to clients and prospective employees. So that's probably one of the things I see out there is, is more of a focus on branding. A thing that I've seen probably in the last year is really more use of video marketing. Video marketing started to become popular a few years ago in, in the B2B space, but now I see folks using it in, in more creative ways. And I think part of that is because video is, is becoming more search-friendly. So And it's easy to consume. Yeah, it's definitely easier to consume, but things like closed captioning uh, makes video content more searchable. And I know that that was kind of a a downfall Mm -hmm. of video before. And, you know, I'm seeing a a lot of marketers, salespeople as well, who are using video to send out personalized video messages instead of just sending out an email or making a phone call. So if they need to follow up or say thank you to somebody, more and more folks are are doing this kind of one-on-one video approach. And then you may be seeing out there as well, there, there's some, especially in larger organizations that are, are tapping into video for 360-degree video content that, that really allows their viewers to control the perspective and really have more of a kind of a interactive experience. We'll see if it's successful or not, but live streaming services are, are now starting to pop up on Facebook and Instagram and, and other social media channels. So you did mention that there's a skills gap when it comes to uh, people serving this industry. So what are these skill gaps that you're seeing? And how would you tell people to fill this? There are a lot of different ways you can answer that. So a lot of the skills gaps come in from the, the point of view that, you know, over the last few years, marketing has been making a transition from just your, your traditional marketing um, into more digital marketing. And you have a lot of folks who have the traditional skills, but they may not be as up-to-date on social media or using platforms Mm -hmm. such as uh, marketing automation, things like that. I'd say a lot of the skills Mm -hmm. that come into play are, are around data. So more and more for B2B marketers, data, whether it's in-house data or data that they get from outside vendors, is becoming more important as they try to predict the behaviors of their customers. But it requires you know, a certain set of skills to be able to process that data and turn that data into intelligence and then into insights that you can actually you know, leverage to make uh, actionable decisions. So I would say those are some of the skills that are missing out there, especially in the junior marketing positions. So what kind of data sets, since we are talking about data, what kind of data sets are you seeing trending currently in this space? Well, the whole data space has really evolved over the last two years. So you see organizations such as uh, Dun & Bradstreet, uh, Oracle, and companies like that that are actually, Bambor is another one, going a lot deeper in their capabilities and the uh, information that they're able to pull out and provide to marketers. So it enables today's marketer, B2B marketer, to go a lot deeper in the way that they segment their audience so they can get information on geography, they can get information on job level, job title, roles and responsibilities. A lot of times they can get data around behavior. So with your personalization, you reach out to very targeted audiences. 
So, of course, personalization is a big deal, especially with uh, account-based marketing becoming a core strategy for many companies today. How are you seeing people adapt to this? How are they approaching this? How are they scaling this? I really see most people are fairly cautious about it. So you've got personalization and then you've got hyper-personalization. So personalization has got a a much higher adoption rate. People are, are using personalization around email and marketing automation. They're using it on um, website visits and and all of that kind of stuff. Hyper-personalization really gets into leveraging real-time data and leveraging artificial intelligence. Very relevant content and product and service information to a very specific person. So I think I read last week in the SAM2 study that right now only about 9% of B2B marketers have really implemented any kind of hyper-personalization strategy. If you go down that road, there's a great competitive advantage that you might enjoy as you know, many of your competitors probably are not doing hyper-personalization. You know, the stuff that I was talking about before really means a big investment of money and time into technology and processes and data and strategy. I mean, you're really looking at predictive analytics to consider the user experience, uh, content creation. You've got to tap into you know, search and social marketing, email that I talked about before, digital and display advertising. Great. What about the typical number of touch points that you're seeing in the uh, typical B2B marketing cadence? How many would you ideally plan in, in any of your outreaches? What would you suggest other marketers do in this space? Especially since, you know, it's getting harder to actually uh, touch base with your target, to actually engage with them. They're not responding to emails, not as much as they used to. Cold calling has fallen. So how would you plan your cadence? How would you involve all of this and what would you do? To me, it really depends on a, a number of different factors, such as um, the type of sales cycle, the length of the sales cycle, you know, how deep are you getting with your segmentation, uh, what's the level of the audience. But in general, when I work with smaller companies, it's typically around, like you said, eight touch points, now, just because it's getting harder to stay engaged with folks. And some of those touch points, like you said, uh, would have to go beyond email to calls, I would get into social media and, and things like that. Obviously, if I was engaging with enterprise type accounts, that typically has longer sales cycles. So I normally plan for 12 or more touches at, at that point. What are you seeing people in the B2B marketplace do to shorten the sales cycle, especially given that sales short, closing a deal and shortening this cycle is the need of the hour and it's ever so long in the B2B marketplace? Yeah, so when I talk to people about that, it's really around telling them to really tie back to their prospect experience and behavior. So the more that they can segment what they're doing and tailor their content, that really helps to shorten the sales cycle. As you can imagine, when you receive things, if you receive content that is more personalized to you, more relevant to what you're looking for, you're more likely to engage with it. So I would look at things like the the behavior, the volume, the velocity, activity that's happening on the website, if they have some sort of funnel process set up, what's happening through their emails and, and social media campaigns. Because the beauty of all this with most of marketing is 
the messages and tactics associated with these channels uh, can be changed fairly quickly. So if something's not working as well as you want it to or as quickly, you certainly can go in and make changes, you know, even in the middle of the campaign. So one of the things that I would recommend to people is to invest more time into gleaning insights and working towards optimization. So far too many uh, small and mid-sized companies don't do that because of the lack of time or lack of bandwidth to do it. Okay. And so what are the biggest mistakes that uh, that you're seeing marketers uh, do when they're implementing any of this, any of these uh, strategies? That's another good question. First thing I would say is I would recommend that marketers kind of avoid the shiny object syndrome. So I still see too many clients and prospects that think if, if they go out and get the right piece of technology or if they invest in this marketing channel, then suddenly, you know, all of these leads are going to just rain down from the clouds and that's just, it, it just doesn't happen that way. So don't believe all the hype and jump on something just because you're seeing a lot of buzz around it. And then I say this to people almost every day is if you make an investment in technology, you've got to make sure that you make the investment in the processes, the people and the data around the technology as well. I've just seen a lot of people that go out and they buy a marketing automation platform and they didn't realize that they needed a significant amount of content to drive that platform, or they didn't realize they needed people with certain skills to be able to run the campaigns, or they didn't realize that there's a, a number of processes that have to be put in place you know, if you really want to leverage that kind of platform. So that's not that those things don't give great return on investment. It's you have to really plan for it and, and build a strategy around it. So what kind of products are you seeing people adopt more of today? And uh, what trends do you foresee for the next couple of months in marketing technology, marketing automation? Well, that's a good question. I would say probably overall that B2B marketers are going to see a consolidation of, of marketing technology. It started a little bit over the last couple of years, but I think over the next few years, you're going to see more consolidation out there that bigger fish swallowing up the smaller fish. There are just too many products out there. It's kind of a distraction for B2B marketing. Now, having said that, I do still see a lot of attention around uh, account-based marketing and account-based products out there. So I, I really think that companies such as Adobe and Salesforce and Oracle will continue to uh, try to integrate a lot of ABM features and make them run tighter with their marketing automation and other products. So a lot of these uh, larger organizations are striving to get this all-in-one platform. They want to um, you know, have a platform that B2B marketers can go to for, for most of the channels that they need in a given campaign. So nobody is quite there yet, but you know, this is the path that uh, a lot of these larger organizations or, or vendors are going towards. And the ultimate goal would be to get to a lot more insights around the customer experience. So, you know, as you touched on before, B2B marketers are getting a little bit frustrated because their email's not working as well as it, it used to. They spend a significant amount on trade shows and they're not getting that kind of return. They're working with sales development reps and 
those teams are making a lot of phone calls and they're having to make more phone calls to reach less people. So it's getting harder and harder to reach buyers. So vendors that can come up with products that can consolidate those efforts and those tactics and the reporting and the data that goes with it are the ones that are going to get a lot of attention in 2019. That's interesting. Some of what you said was really interesting in terms of the Matic products, the the adoption trends that you're seeing, the need of the R. So before we end for the day, can you tell us a little bit about some of the recent use cases where, you know, some of your strategies at Hinge Marketing have helped achieve customer goals and how? Yeah, so we uh, do have a really large law firm in India called uh, Nishith Desai Associates NDA. And even though they've been rated as the most innovative law firm in India four years in a row, they really want to be known as as a global entity. And they've got a lot of great experience around regulations, how to do business in India. They wanted to raise their visibility as a a law firm and become a, a global presence. How to use social media, how to do more thought leadership, how to a lot of things and and at the end of the the year process the uh, survey to them and uh, we found out that even though a lot of these lawyers had never spoken publicly before a fair amount of them were getting a lot of offers to speak around the world so there was one lawyer there that actually had received nine invitations to speak at global events just because she had put the time into increasing her visibility out there as a subject matter expert. And the really nice thing from a business point of view from our our visible expert program was that about 85% of those people that participated in the visible expert program came back and told us that they picked up new clients or they got new business from existing clients based on their new level of visibility that they didn't have before doing the program. So you can't get much more compelling than that as far as justification. Kelly, thank you so much for participating with us and we hope to have you back sometime very soon. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we wrap up for the day? I'm available. You've got my email address and all that. So I'm I'm always available Mm -hmm. online. I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, if people need information or just want to start a conversation, and I'm happy to do either through social media. Great. Thank you for your time, Kelly. I hope you have an awesome day ahead. All right. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.